Hello there, and thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Children who have been abused. Children who have been subject to domestic violence. That's my topic. In America today, the research shows that 8 million children have been exposed to some form of domestic violence. You know, that means they've witnessed mom and dad fight, or grandparents fight, friends of the parents fight, or whomever. That means they have been the subject to abuse themselves, molestation perhaps, physical abuse, overhitting, overpunishing, overspanking, pinched, jostled about, you know, whatever. It means that they have witnessed and experienced abuse. And sometimes experiencing it is just as bad as witnessing, and witnessing is just as bad as experiencing. It's all abuse. Changes the nature of that child and of those children. It changes their view of life. It changes their level of expectation, the type of expectation. They live now with the expectation that they could be subject to violence in the future. More violence and more violence. Changes their view that they could be uh, disregarded, kind of disconnected from the family. They are unwanted, that they are unneeded. They are rejected. They are abandoned as kids. It creates all those kinds of feelings and perceptions. Domestic violence is a hurtful and a meanful and an evil activity perpetrated upon you know, a child. You cannot put our children into that kind of a uh, experience. It's just not acceptable, you know, in any form. Now, let's look at it this way. <clears throat> when you talk about violence, you know, perpetrated upon a child, it can be physical, it can be verbal, you know, it can be emotional, it can be put-downs, you know, it can be looks, it can be hits, it can be rejection, it can be abandonment. of all forms of violence. It all hurts. Even if a child sees violence, witnesses it, they then begin to feel maybe it's going to happen to them. Maybe next they're going to be the victim of somebody's violence. So what we need to do now is to kind of look at what do we do with these kids? Well, one of the things that has been very helpful, and that is to engage children in play therapy and art therapy and any form of therapy of that nature where a child is given opportunity to express themselves. You know, language of children is play. Language of children is art. Language of children is the expression of emotion, not so much words. So play therapy is a natural language of children and allows for deep and meaningful expression of their emotion. And it's associated with the trauma that they've experienced, such as being hurt in some form of way, abused. And otherwise, it goes unspoken. Kids don't speak about these kind of experiences. They demonstrate it when they play. As an example, in play therapy, there's always this kind of diagnostic period of time when you give children toys to play with and just let them play freely as they wish and as they want to and as they feel. And you encourage them just to kind of play and let their feelings just kind of dictate what they do. And then what you watch for as you sit back as a therapist, you watch for, do they engage in violent behavior? Do they take cars and trucks and animals and dolls and all these kinds of things and do they use them in a violent format if they do it's a hint that they've been subjected to violence and that they have this fear of violence and this image of violence and this memory of violence within them you know as another example you may give them a series of uh, opportunities to make a choice you know whether they're going to crash another car or truck or they're going to just pass by and not not have contact. And you see what a child does. If you give them a choice of being aggressive as compared to being non-aggressive, see how many times they're aggressive and how many times they're non-aggressive. 
So we take these kids in play therapy and art therapy that are aggressive. After having watched them for a period of time, and we do this kind of diagnostic studies, then we put them in play opportunities where they can be violent, but encourage them not to. And then when they play a game or they play an activity or they interact with toys and various animals and so on, and they are not violent, you reward them, you reinforce them. Praise, by approval, by affirmation, and perhaps by a special privilege of some kind or a treat of some kind. So over and over in play opportunities, you give them that choice to either act violently or nonviolently. And all nonviolent behavior is reinforced. All nonviolent behavior is encouraged and praised. And we talk about it and how much better that is to behave in a nonviolent way. And we do that over sessions upon sessions with kids to build into them this behavioral pattern and make it strong that when you have a choice to be violent as compared to being nonviolent, that they choose nonviolent behavior. Now, we do that in a variety of situations, not just playing with toys, but perhaps with art, where they draw and encourage them to draw nonviolent objects as compared to violent objects, and then praise them for their nonviolent drawing. And then maybe it might be a series of storytelling, that the therapist might start out telling a story, and then the child picks up the story and kind of finishes it. And you give that story at a point where the child could add a violent theme to it or a nonviolent theme to it. And when a child talks about that story and continues that story and completes that story in a nonviolent way, you praise that child and you commend that child and you talk about how much better that is. Choose a nonviolent outcome compared to what an outcome had been had it been violent in nature. So in other words, you're looking for an opportunity to put a child in a situation where they can behave violently or nonviolently but you very definitely reward and, and uh, poured and encourage the nonviolent behavior on the part of the child. Words, images, drawings, play activity, you know, facial expressions, behavioral patterns, and so on. See, play therapy can be used to help children break that cycle of violence that they have grown up with. Now, this is particularly true with children that might have been adopted, been, where that child has been taken from the natural parents for obvious reasons, placed under the court order, court jurisdiction, and then placed in a foster home or in an adoptive home where they can now start a new life. And we have to then look at it in terms of the behavior patterns that were true before, break those down and stop those, but teach the appropriate social behavior, a nonviolent behavior helpful behavior, compassionate behavior, caring behavior, support behavior, helping behavior. These are all the kind of behavior patterns that you try to develop in art therapy and play therapy. So a child can begin to develop the pattern of being nonviolent, non-hurtful, you know, towards anyone, even though they have the opportunity, you know, to be so. So that's the idea of play therapy. That's the idea of art therapy. It's the idea of helping a child that has very strong history and a record of violent behavior and inappropriate behavior and pro and, and negative social behavior and help them develop these pro-social behaviors, these complementary behaviors, these compassionate behaviors, these caring behaviors, these helping behaviors. That's what we want to develop part of a child. Now, obviously, it's hard to punish kids that have come from a background of violence, that kind of domestic hurt, so we have to do it in the context of looking more directly and more importantly and more uh, targeted at the good, positive, helpful, kind, compassionate social behavior.
So there we are. Eight million United States children were exposed to some form of domestic violence last year. And if you look at that as kind of a yearly example, you can see that these kids <clears throat> are subject to an enormous amount of ill behavior and they will follow suit. Most of them will develop that same pattern of behavior unless it's broken, unless it's changed, unless we teach them the alternative to domestic violence because it has a long-standing effect on them otherwise. So these are the kids we have to really work with and that's where government money needs to be focused and when it comes to mental health is children who have been exposed to domestic violence and get them into therapy so we can alter that pattern as they grow older so they don't become a violent teenager, a violent young adult, a violent adult. We've got to deal with that when these kids are young. Young? Yeah. Pay ages three, ages four, ages five, ages six, ages eight. The ages went off and these kids are exposed to domestic violence themselves or they see it, they experience it, they witness it in the home in which they live. So it's a national tragedy, but we have to address it. If you know of anybody that has a history of domestic violence as a child, make sure that they get into therapy. Even if they're an adult now, make sure they get into therapy and resolve all that. And if you know somebody that is abusing their children in a domestic violent kind of way, deal with that. Confront them. Involve Child Protective Services if you need to. Involve somebody that can help them uh, break that cycle, break that generational cycle of violence from one generation to the next. Take some responsibility for the kids and the homes that are around you. And if you see violence, deal with it. Because if you don't, the kids that are subjected to domestic violence will continue to be violent and act that way themselves for all practical purposes. So we can do something about it, but we have to speak up and we have to deal with it directly. Okay, thanks for joining me. Uh, go to my um, website, if you will, booksbyhedberg.com, www.booksbyhedberg.com. There's a great book there, Doctor, Teach Me to Parent. And parents, that's one to pick up and use in your own parenting. I recommend it for you. Okay? Nice to have you with me. Bye for now.